Well, good morning. It is so good to see everyone on this uh, beautiful, hot uh, August day. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a, a nice afternoon for people. Uh, my name is Jason Allison. To those of you online, welcome as well. We're glad uh, that you could be part of our gathering this morning. Um, just to get some business out of the way so that everybody knows what's going on, there is a QR code that's going to be on your screen. And that QR code, if you take your camera on your phone and you point it at it, a link should come up and it'll take you to uh, the bulletin, which has all the announcements of things going on uh, in case you want to know about it. It also has a link to uh, giving. If you want to be part of this community and uh, you know contribute towards what it is accomplishing in the community uh, and around, then uh, that's an easy way for you uh, to join us in that effort. Uh, you can also text to give, 84321 uh, eight, uh, is a way you can just text and it will give you the, the instructions. And of course, if you're like me and very old fashioned and just write checks, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, and those, there's a box on your way out that you can drop that in. Uh, these are all ways that we just wanna be part of this community. We wanna uh, kind of put all of our stuff together so that we can accomplish something more together rather than individually. And so that's, that's what we do uh, around here. Uh, in that light, uh, you guys, over the last month or so, we asked for you to bring in uh, school supplies, donations of school supplies. And just yesterday, a group of us uh, were up in Delaware at the Ross Park uh, near the Unity Community Center, and we had a little block party uh, for that area. And the school that literally we could see it from, from where we were doing the block party, that school, I think it's like 90 to 95 percent of the kids in that elementary school uh, receive some type of substance, some, some type of, of free lunch type uh, situation. And so it was really good to take all those school supplies up there. Uh, we set up a table, and of course we gave out hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff like that. Uh, but we just handed stuff out. And uh, it will actually this week, this next Saturday and the Saturday after, they're doing uh, block parties up there in different places. And they're going to continue to give away all the things that you guys donated. So thank you for that and for uh, just being willing to be part of the community. Um, there's some kids yesterday. I know we had the, you know, Trina and Michael were there, uh, as well as the Schwartzes. They, we, uh, we had a good time hanging out with the kids. I played wiffle ball uh, with the kids, which is probably a sight to be seen. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, but yeah, it, it, was a, it was a good day, and I appreciate that you would, you know, be part of that and contribute to that. In that same light, uh, this week, school starts. All the parents are like, yes! <laughs> all the kids are like, uh, and all the teachers are like, uh, uh, yeah. Well, so what I want to do before we dive into uh, the message today, I, I thought, you know, let's just take a minute and pray for the teachers, for the administrators, for any of the educators that are connected to the school systems, and for the students. Uh, because, you know, the last few years have been a little rough on school systems, to say the least. And uh, I, I think this, this year is, is looking to be a good year where things hopefully can really work with students and it can be a really great year. I know I have a, a three-year-old grandson who is going to start preschool in a couple weeks, which makes me feel even older. Uh, but it's so cool and so exciting to see. So um, if you are a teacher or educator or connected to the school system, or if you're a student uh, that will be starting school in the next week or two, uh, I just want you to know we are praying for you. 
I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you because <laughs> you got to deal with that in the next few weeks. I don't want to do that to you. But uh, I'm going to take just a moment and pray for you and just know that, you know, if, if you happen to know the person and you want to put your hand around them or you want to do something like that, feel free to do that. But uh, let, let's just pray as a community together. Father God, uh, this week and, and next, a lot of changes are happening as students go back to school, as teachers uh, get back into the routine of being ready with a lesson, ready with plans, ready with things. And uh, God, I just pray that this week, as all these changes back into some new routine happen, that everyone, first of all, would be safe, that you would protect the students and the teachers and the administrators and the, all the people, the custodians and the office personnel and the IT people, everyone who, who makes these school systems function. I pray your blessing on them. I pray that this year would be just a great year of meeting friends, of, um, of finding purpose and meaning in life, of like, just understanding where you are leading people. God, I pray for the teachers that you would give them wisdom, you would give them discernment, that you would give them energy uh, as they face the students, whether it's elementary or middle school or high school or college. Uh, God, we just thank you that we live in a country that has a school system uh, that does educate our kids. And uh, we, we thank you that we are able to take advantage of that. And so we pray your blessings on all that, and we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this week we are continuing our theme of one another. Uh, last week, Sean uh, introduced it, and so this week my job is to pick up where he left off and to keep moving forward in this idea of love one another. Uh, this week we're going to, last week Sean kind of started in, in John 13 where Jesus made the very plain command, hey, here's the command I give you, love God and love each other. You do that, everything else will work out. But it's got to start there. And so this week, what we're going to do is start moving into some of the texts in the New Testament, where especially among Paul's letters that he wrote to all the churches, where dozens of times he uses this phrase, one another. And so we want to look into this this week and the next couple where we see what does he mean and what are the things that he's asking us to do for one another? Because we have to be in the same proximity, right? I mean, that's the purpose of church is to gather and so when we are together, what does it look like in a one another way? What does it look like for us to love one another? What are the practical ways that we can work that out? And so that's what we're going to be diving into. And uh, if you're new here, uh, I'll let you know uh, each week the, the pastors hop in the car and we uh, just kind of take the topic and we talk about it for a little bit and, and uh, we film it and then we cut that down to a bite-sized amount because... You know, the pastors here, we could talk for days and days if you let us. Uh, but instead, we, we whittled that down to a few minutes to uh, just give you an idea as to what we were thinking of as we started uh, preparing for this, this particular message. So let, let's see what happened this week in the car. It's easy to love people who are like me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's there's no work involved in that. I don't know if it's easy to love people that are like <laughs> me, but well, I mean, you love people that are like you, though, right? I mean, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Is there anyone like you? No, no, but you know. 
when you're as unique and you know it's hard to what do you do when you hate yourself well, <laughs> yeah, yeah right that, that's, that's an another issue. series that's yeah, another that's, we'll get to that series that's October everybody's yeah. like amen yes screw this one another thing let's talk yeah about what about me what about the one part of that <laughs> I'm a tortured soul clearly but. yeah you, you have to be willing to be vulnerable with someone if you're gonna accept them if you're going to welcome them, if you're, if you're going to be devoted to them. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that people are often well-intended yeah. in their love for yes. one another. Mm. Um, and yeah. it might even be uh, a pseudo-caring, if you will, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is based out of fear and it's more self-centered. Like, they're mm-hmm. trying to protect their own... And this is when I say they, like, we're all guilty of this, but it's yeah, like yeah. trying to protect your own position... Because uh, I often find the situation of like that sin needs confronted, yeah. and it's because I love them. I want to confront that sin, and it's like, mm. do you? Mm, yeah, exactly. Where is that coming from? Yeah. Because mm. uh, you don't see Jesus yeah. interacting like that. No. Now, does he engage people? Yes. Typically, the way that he engages people is in a kind of a conversational mm-hmm. sort of prodding people to think kind of way. I mean, there are certainly a, a few points where he definitely uh, calls some things out. And it's usually <laughs> those who are pious. That's right. right. Or the religious leaders. The religious leaders. Right. Yes, yes right. absolutely. But And, and that does uh, point to some of this one another stuff because there is, especially in a, in a one another, when you're dealing with other people who are who are saying that they espouse this Christian belief system, uh, they are, uh, they, that needs to be confronted if it's, if it's off, right. you know, or there needs to be a conversation yeah. with true care and love, you right. know, but I think it has to be handled very, very delicately. Yeah. And again, look at the, the, check the speck in your own eye or the log <laughs> yeah. in your own yeah, eye right, before right. you yeah. try to remove the speck in someone else's. Right. Yeah, my, my goal, it, you know, as Jesus put it, is to love people, not to make sure that everything they do is absolutely correct or that they have the exact right beliefs or that the, their behaviors, you know, fit into some system. My job is to love them. Mm-hmm. And, and the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. But so if I'm going to truly engage this idea of one another, then it has to start with me actually caring about the people mm. and loving them it's just got to start there and if it doesn't then it's going to turn into me trying to get them to be like something which is just behavior modification at that point yeah what does it look like to actually be devoted to one another to care about other people without trying to control them right i mean that that's the thing is we we, we want to love people but do we want to actually just control them so they kind of behave the way we're comfortable with, right? With the way that we, we like to see things done. Um, that's, a, that's a tough one when you start getting into this. Um, the passage that we're going to look at today is found in Romans. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone or device, then you can uh, open to Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're going to look at verse 10, first of all, and then we'll jump forward to uh, chapter 15 in, in a little bit. But in this passage, in, in the NIV, it translates it, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. And notice, in love. Like, that's going to be this theme you're going to see all the time. One another in love. 
because that's the point. This is about how are you loving the people around you. Well, one of the ways is to be devoted to them. I I like the way the RSV translates it. It says, love one another with brotherly affection, and then it says, outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like if, if we walked into church, you know, every week or whenever you gather with other people, and it's like a competition, right? How can I show honor to the other person more than they do? And you get into this kind of, you know, constantly. Can you imagine a, a guest walking into the service and, and seeing people honor each other so much? I mean, like, I'd like to be a part of a group that honors each other, right? I, I want to be around people who actually help each other and, and, and serve one another. That, that would be a great group of people to be around. And, and Jesus even says, listen, the way you do this is the way that people will know that you're my followers. In other words, when people walk in, they should see that we care about each other, and that is going to be a big flag to them that this is a group of people who understand how God loves me, and, and I'm going to learn from this. Uh, the, the word there, uh, be devoted. It's an interesting word. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting because it, it actually, for those of you that don't know Greek, which probably most, I mean, why would you know Greek? Uh, but th- there's, there's actually like four different words in Greek, which the New Testament was written in Greek, that mean love. And they're kind of different aspects of love. In, in English, we, we have a really generic language, right? I mean, I love pizza. I love my wife. I love God. I love my dog. Same word, Four very different kinds of love, okay? Four very different kinds of love. But in, in the Greek, they actually have different words for love. And this word, devoted, is actually two Greek words crammed together to mean something a, a little deeper. It's, it's philostorgi, storgoi, easy for you to say, right? Uh, and, and it's two words, phila and storgoi. Duh, you can see that just by looking at it, right? I'm brilliant. Uh, but here's the thing that's... So the word phila is the Greek word for brotherly love. Think about uh, this, later this week, I'm flying to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? That's, that's where we get that, that idea. Then you've got storgoi, which is a word for, it's kind of like friendship love, like your best friend, those persons that, you know, you just really are, are tight with. And so it takes those two words and it crams them together, and then the translators translate it devoted, brotherly affection. And so it means really to, to have this familial bond together, like you would with your family. Well, hopefully, with your family, right? Uh, it's that idea that, that I'm, I'm committed to, to the people around me because we share a common kinship, a bloodline, right? Uh, and, and also, when, when someone marries into your family, you welcome them as family, And so there's a devotion that you share that goes way beyond what you would share with a neighbor or a person you pass at Starbucks, right? I mean, there's something deeper there. And Paul says, listen, I want you to be devoted to one another just like you would to your family. He's writing this to a church. He's not writing to a bunch of individuals. He's writing to a church, a community of people. And the interesting thing is, you know, a lot of us, we read Romans 12, and we stop after verse 1 or 2 because that's where it talks about offering your bodies as a living sacrifice because this is your spiritual act of worship. And we get stuck right there because that's, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do as an individual. I'm supposed to offer my body as a living sacrifice. That's how I worship God. I'm supposed, it's all about me and what I'm doing. And we forget 
that then the way he describes the way that you offer yourself as a living sacrifice is to be devoted to each other, to serve one another, to lead, to serve, to help, to do within the context of one another. I mean, think about that for a minute. Your spiritual act of worship, which then says this is how you discern what is God's good and perfect will. The way you do that is by loving each other, is by serving each other. It is by being together, being a community of believers. And that's how you discern what God wants you to do. See, if you want to be transformed and to understand God's will for your life, then devote yourself to a community of faith and then serve them using the gifts that God has given you. Uh, this past week, I, I was able to go to a satellite location of this uh, conference thing that's all over the world, and, and I got to hear this guy named Pat Lencioni. And if, if you read any business books or anything, you've probably heard of him, and he, he's written you know, Five Dysfunctions of a Team and stuff like that. But he was speaking, and, and uh, he's actually Catholic, uh, and so he has a, a very strong faith background. And he was talking about these different things about the key virtues for leadership. And I'm not going to go into all that because you didn't come here for a leadership talk, right? Uh, but he talks about this idea of wisdom and humility and courage. Those are the key virtues that leaders need to have if they're going to be healthy. But as I was thinking about this, you know, the idea of courage, you, you develop courage within the context of one another. You don't just sit back in your office somewhere and develop courage, <laughs> You do it when you put yourself out there, when you engage with the people around you, when, when you work with people. You have to be courageous when you are dealing with people. And, and if you want to see yourself grow in that, if you want to see interpersonal courage develop in you, then you have to be around people. And, and sometimes, let's be honest, people suck sometimes, okay? They're hard to be around I've been around me. Sometimes I'm not good to be around, okay? I get that. And, and so it takes courage for you to actually put yourself out there and to be around people and to devote yourself to other people. And, and it kind of begs the question, why does it take courage? Well, because I'm afraid of something. And so what I want to do today is just kind of identify a few of the things, that, a few of the fears that keep us from being devoted to one another. I, I want to look at a few, and we'll kind of dive into them for a few minutes and, and just wrestle with them. Um, because I do think that the biggest obstacle to being devoted to one another is fear. And, and for me, uh, I'll start with me. Let's be honest, I deal with all these two, so we're, we're all in this together. Uh, for me, the biggest failure, fear of failure is the first thing that I have to wrestle with when it comes to being able to get over this idea of being devoted to one another. Right? I, I, I'm afraid that if I devote myself to this group, it won't help me move forward in what I hope to accomplish. And, and that sounds harsh to say, and, and maybe, maybe you know, you're not willing to admit that, but that's the thing is, if I devote myself to this group of people, I have to ask myself, will this impact my ability to succeed in other things? And part of the reason for that, I think, is because my definition of success needs to be changed. 
You see, normally we think of success, right? We think of success as in, in terms of uh, something that I want to accomplish, right? A goal. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, Jim Collins wrote the book, you know, Good to Great and all this, and he talks about BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, right, that we all want to accomplish in business, and, and that's great. But if success is only defined by what I want to accomplish, then it's hard for me to be devoted to the people around me unless they are helping me accomplish that goal. And so now my devotion to them is completely contingent on whether or not they're going to help me accomplish what I want to accomplish. But what happens if we shift our understanding of success away from what I want to accomplish and to who I want to impact? What if all of a sudden my understanding of success is not about checking off a list of goals, but instead is about, okay, who can I serve? Who can I impact? Who, who can I share life with in such a way that they become the person that God has called them to be? All of a sudden, success takes on a whole different light. Because now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not worried so much, right, about getting stuff done as much as who is involved in this. How are they becoming all that God has called them to be? How am I demonstrating love for the people around me? Because that's really what matters in the end. Uh, I don't know about you, but there are times that we, we kind of hold back from investing in people or in a community because well, we, we might miss out on something else. You know, FOMO, fear of missing out. What if there's something else out there that's better? What if somebody else is cooler, right? What if, what if someone else, you know, maybe can get me more of something that I want? Maybe somebody else can be more useful to me. But then, but then we start seeing people as tasks rather than people. And so I do think this fear of failure will often hinder us from truly being devoted to a community of people. And maybe it's not completely stopping us, but it just, it slows us down a little bit, right? Because, I mean, who wants to show up all the time and, and not think, oh, but if I keep going, this is going to make me a better whatever. I'm going to, you know, there's enough connections in this community that I'm going to be able to further my business or do this or that. And so we get this fear. Gosh, I, I don't want to devote unless I know it's, <clears throat> it's going to help me move forward in my, in my goals, but when I instead redefine it as impacting people, now I'm, I'm free. I'm free to invest in the people around me. Because my goal is for them to grow, for them to experience love, community. And so it's much easier to, to actually devote myself to them. I think another fear Maybe this is just me uh, confessing all of my sins right here. But, you know, another fear that I, I see when it comes to holding me back from being devoted is the fear of losing convenience and ease. This is where the, the preacher goes from preaching to meddling, right? Uh, sometimes it's hard. Because to be devoted to a group of people, a community of people, whether it's an entire church or maybe a small group within it, right? A, a small group of people that you care about and that you were devoted to. To do that, that involves sacrifice. Right? Devotion equals sacrifice. That, that's just the way it is. Because when I give myself to this, I'm not able to do whatever else I wanted to do. 
And if sacrifice was easy, we'd all do it, and it wouldn't be sacrifice, right? So, so I'm thinking about this as, you know, we live in America. We, we live in this time where, honestly, convenience and ease, they, I mean, they've really become an entitlement in a lot of ways, right? I mean, I've talked about writing a check. How many of you write more than one or two checks a month? How many of you even write checks anymore, <laughs> right? Why? Because you can do it all online, right? A couple clicks, my bills are paid. To do this, I, I mean... Have you ever gotten a check from someone and you're like, what do I do with this? <laughs> you know, do I have to like go to the bank and talk to someone and hand it to them? And what if I sign it wrong? And where does it go? No, no. I mean, now we just take a picture of it on your phone and deposit it through the, through the app. Right? It's easy. I mean, you want to go to Kroger? You want to go to Meyer? No, I don't want to have to deal with all that. Great. Go online. Do your little list. Click a button, tell them what time you'll be there. You have a nice little parking spot just designated for you. You pull in, you text a number and say, I'm here. And some little guy comes out with his little cart, right? And he puts it in your car and then you drive off. And then you get home and you get mad at all the things they screwed up. But at least you've started, right? But, but here's the thing, it's so easy. It's so easy. It's, there's so many things in our world right now that, that are convenient. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, there's nothing wrong with convenience. The problem is when we are afraid that we are going to lose a convenience and therefore we don't devote ourselves to people because people involve sacrifice. And people are not always easy to be around. And showing up means I have to leave my house or I have to invite someone in or I have to deal with others and, and that can be hard. And so we get afraid. It gets inconvenient. You know, when it comes to church, when it comes to Sunday morning and gathering, it's convenient to blow in five minutes late and slip out and during the last song and never have to deal with anyone, never talk to anyone. But you can still say, well, I, but I did church this week. You did church, but did anyone else experience the blessing that only you can bring to this community? Even if it's just a smile, even if it's just, you know, checking on somebody. Hey, how was your week? See, just doing church is not just showing up for a service. Church is a community of people. And Paul made it very clear, if you are going to love one another, if you're going to experience worship, then you have to be devoted to one another, not just to yourself and your own experience. See, following Jesus, it involves loving each other. And Paul says that, you know, it's this hindrance of, of being devoted to one another means I got to be willing to make some sacrifices and, and I'm not trying to guilt you into showing up at church on time. That's not at all the point. I'm just saying God's been convicting me lately. If, if I'm not devoted to the people around me who God has called into my life, then how can I say that I'm loving one another? And that leads to the third fear. The fear of being wounded. 
I saved this one for last because I got a feeling everyone in here has experienced the wounding of someone rejecting them, of someone hurting them, of someone doing something that totally took you by surprise you weren't expecting and you felt really wounded. You had made yourself vulnerable to them because they were friends. And they have, they have a better opportunity to wound you than someone that you keep at a distance. And so we have this fear of being wounded, and so we, we don't devote ourselves to one another because I, if I keep you here, you can't hurt me. But if I let you in, you might. A couple chapters later in Romans, Romans 15, 7, Paul puts it this way. He says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That word accept, it has this implication of, of to take in, to receive, to welcome, to accept. As a community of faith, what does it look like to welcome each other? What does it look like to receive each other? Devoting yourself to each other and accepting each other, it requires vulnerability and authenticity. And let's be honest, if the church isn't a place where you can be vulnerable, if the church isn't a place where you can be your authentic self, then is it church? Is it really a community of faith? If you can't be here and be real, then is this really church? And and that's hard because that means you got to be willing to accept people who are very different than you. You've got to be willing to accept people who might not think exactly the same way you do. You might have to accept people who voted yes on issue one or no on issue one, depending on which way you voted. You might have to be willing to accept people who are here who love Jesus but think and act differently. Who do you let in your house? Let's think about that for a sec. I mean, I remember growing up, and, you know, like a lot of you who are older than, than you know, being, you, you remember a time when people would just show up at your house, right? Friends would come over. They'd stop by because they were in the neighborhood, right? And they would just come, and they'd sit and visit. What in the world does that mean? I have no idea. But we would sit and visit, which as a kid meant I had to sit there and be nice, and I had to behave, right? And, and I hated some of that. But if they had a kid that was my age or close, we'd go outside and play. We'd go down the basement and play. We did all this stuff. Like It was not unusual in my home growing up for the doorbell to ring and friends to be standing there. They didn't text or call or nothing because we didn't have the internet back then. Our phone was actually attached to the wall with a thing on it. Like we couldn't, you know, it's crazy. I know we had one phone number for the whole family. It was ridiculous. And and all of a sudden these people would show up and we'd get excited. Like the doorbell would ring and I'd be like racing the door to see who it is. But now, today, if our doorbell rings, we like mute the TV, right? (laughs) Right? Close the windows. We don't want them to know we're home. 
is the garage door still up? I hope not. I hope not. Maybe they'll think we aren't here, you know? Like, we don't want to go answer the door. Our prayer is it's the Amazon guy, right? We just want him to drop and go. We have a sign on the door that says, you know, work, we work from home because my wife works from home. Please don't ring the doorbell because if you do, then the dogs go nuts and she's online, to, you know, visit, talk, talking with this patient. She, she can't have that. And so we're just praying. If they ring the doorbell, we're like, oh, is the neighborhood on fire? Like, I mean, something better be wrong if this is going on. And we don't just willingly welcome people into the home, right? And yet, Scripture says to, to accept one another. And so there's a difference between just a stranger walking up to your door. And the culture that we have developed just in our world today is just different. And, and so we have to understand that, yes, we have to be discerning. You know, we do lock our door at night, right? I mean, we live in a nice little neighborhood in Delaware. It's not like we're, you know, worried. But we, we lock just because, and, and we want to be wise, but in the same breath, are we actually accepting people? Because our friends, we treat them differently when they come over. Now, we do ask them to text first, right? Hey, let us know you're coming. Uh, but, I mean, I, I remember, um, so, so we have friends that they're, they're, they're regulars here, but they're not here, so I can uh, bring them up. No, I'm just, no, we have friends, Gretchen and Toby. They live right down the street from us, and they have for years, and we've gotten to know them really, really well, and we're really good friends, and, um, you know, they'll, they'll come up occasionally, and, and, and it used to be a couple years ago we had this really old fridge that didn't make ice. You guys remember those, right? We had one, uh, and, and it wasn't hooked up to water or anything, so we, like, had to have trays, you know, that you poured water in, and then you put them in there and waited for them to freeze. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, and, and every time that Gretchen and Toby would come up, because they'd, they'd, they live down the street, because the hill goes this way, <clears throat> and, and, and so they'd, they'd come up, and they'd walk in, and Gretchen would walk over to the freezer. She'd open the thing, and she'd pull out the trays, dump them in the little bucket of ice thingy that we have in there. She'd go fill them up and put it in. She says, okay, I made your ice for you. <laughs> you know, that, that was just a routine. Every time, that we, if, if, she, if we didn't invite them over, we didn't have ice, okay? Like, that's... <laughs> But friends, friends just come in and, you know, a guest comes in, you put them in the living room, you offer them a drink, you serve them, that's fine, it's very formal, but a friend comes over. You go straight to the kitchen, right? They know where you keep your drinks. They know where you keep the drinks, right? That's what friends do. We welcome them, we accept them because they're our friends. And, and so the question is, is there, is there people at church that you've connected with in such a way that you accept them? And are you willing to take on a, a mindset, really, of accepting people who maybe are different, who maybe you don't agree with everything? Because the cool thing about this, Paul says, accept people just as Christ accepted you. When did Christ accept you? When you got your act together, when you had it all figured out, when your, your, your beliefs were absolutely perfect and you're completely orthodox in all of your theology and you never made any mistakes, is that when you were accepted by Christ? No. Scripture is very clear. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were accepted by Christ long before we got our act together, long before we behaved the way he thinks that we should behave, long before we agreed with everything, long before we were theologically correct. Now, that doesn't mean we accept and then just say, fine, just stay where you're at. It's okay. We, we affirm everything about you. No, we, we accept you and we love you and we welcome you. 
And, and we may at some point say, Here, here's what we think Scripture says, humbly, right? We're, we're not trying to tell you everything, but this is what Scripture seems to indicate. And, and, and if you don't line up with that, let's talk about it. Let's have conversations. But our job is not to make you behave in any way, shape, or form. Our job is to love and to accept. And as followers of Jesus, our job as a community of people is to say to each other, you're welcome here. You're accepted. Even though you're a little weird, you're accepted. Now, I I do want to make it clear that Paul is writing to a church. Okay? He's writing to a community of people who are all at least pursuing Jesus. Maybe not in the same path, they're maybe not all exactly right, but they are pursuing Jesus. And that's the thing that holds them together. And we've talked in the past about, you know, a bounded set and a center set and how as long as people are looking to say, hey, I want to learn about Jesus, I want to hear about that, it, the rest doesn't matter. We're going to focus on that. And we're going to build on that. And we're going to accept them and welcome them and say, okay, great, let us love you. Let us care about you. Let us walk with you where you're at. And the Holy Spirit takes care of the other stuff. That's not our job. Our job is just to welcome and to love and to accept. Because Christ accepted us before we had our act together. But that also means being vulnerable. Because when you welcome someone in, they can burn you. I was talking with a pastor this week down in uh, Tampa. Uh, big church, you know, they're planting all this stuff, really cool, whatever, just, he just, his book just came out this week, you know, all excited, and um, he's, in his research for this book, he said, you know, the average person experiences seven major rejections over the course of their life, like really deep rejections. So now, we've also found that the average pastor experiences seven major rejections every year, because we as pastors, we, our job is to be open and vulnerable, and welcoming. And that opens us up. And I'm sure Sean has experienced that. I don't, because I, you know. But, <laughs> no, but that, that does, that's something to think about as you think about how, you know, you interact with each other, and, and as you are open, understand you, you are opening yourself up to rejection, but it's because we're obeying Scripture, and Scripture didn't say, by obeying Scripture, everything's going to work out great, you're all going to be fine, you'll never have any problems. It said, Scripture says, follow me and die to yourself. You see, Jesus calls us into the messiness of loving one another. And that's what it is. It's messiness. It's not cut and dry. It's not simple. It's not simplistic at all. It's never easy. Sometimes it's wonderful and great. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's hard. And Jesus says, I'm going to call you into that. You may find some of it rough. You may find some of it difficult. But I want you to come step into it because this is where life happens. This is where love happens. And if we are going to be a church that loves people, we are going to have to be a community of people who step into the messiness, knowing that we're going to get messy, knowing we might get hurt, but also knowing that our calling is to share Jesus' love with people who aren't like us us and to show them what that love looks like by loving them and by loving each other see that's what it is to be devoted to one another 
Who is God laying on your heart today? Who, who do you know that needs to experience Christ's acceptance? And the best way that they're going to experience it is through you. What are you afraid of? What, what's keeping you from being devoted to the people around you? Is it a fear of failure? They may not help me move forward. Is it a fear of losing the comfort and ease, the convenience that this life has right now in our culture? Is it, is it a fear of rejection and wounding? Would you be willing even today to take one step towards community? And, and that step could be, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to I connect with a life group. I, I want to connect with a team that's serving uh, on a weekly or monthly basis. And if that is, then I'm going to be out there after the service, uh, standing by the welcome desk. If you're interested in joining one of those or taking a step or finding out more, come see me. Um, we got plenty of people who help connect you. But that takes a step, and that's hard. Ultimately, it is in the devotion to one another that you experience a taste of the kingdom of God. And you give other people the opportunity to experience a taste. And so I invite you into that today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are good and you watch over us and you care for us. And you have asked us, you have challenged us to step out in faith, to risk a little bit. Risk failure, risk being hurt, risk losing some of the ease of, of what we do. And instead, devote ourselves to one another, to care about each other, to, to lean into those relationships. And so this morning, God, as we wrestle with some of the things that we're afraid of, as, as we wrestle through who we need to really care about and devote ourselves to, God, I, I pray you would give us wisdom and discernment in that. I, I pray that you, you would help us understand more about how we can do this and, and what's holding us back. Because, God, ultimately, we want to obey you. And we want to give you the glory for all of it because we do pray with Jesus that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our last song together?